This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The villains of yesteryear are certainly tame as compared to what's being offered on the movie screens and on other platforms today. We now use all the imagery conjured up by incredible special effects and were treated to scary themes once thought not even imaginable. But think for a moment and let me take you back to those early 40 years and give you an example of what scared the devil out of the folks back then. Keeping in mind, you only had one of your senses to deal with, that of being able to hear. When the audience gathered by their radios hear whistling and footsteps and an equally frightening in voice, you had all the elements needed to strike fear into listeners' hearts. Now, here's an example of talents of story writing, production values, and delivery that made The Whistler one of the most popular shows ever to appear on the golden age of radio. Tonight's episode is entitled, Death Has a Thirst. Wait a minute. Have you heard the weird tales of the Whistler? I'm the Whistler. Sanitarium, Harvey. Is he still unconscious? Yes. Here comes the attendant. We're all ready for him, Mrs. Jackson. Take his feet, Harold. Oh, had to tie him, eh? Yes, I had to give him a good one on the chin. You'll have to watch him. He may try to get away when he comes to. Don't worry, we've got a lot of tough cases here. Don't let him know who brought him here. And don't let him know I had anything to do with it. Leave everything to us. It's a two-hour drive back to the city, Donna. Yes, sir. Well, I'll, I'll phone you tomorrow. Good. If anything happens, we'll call you. Thank you. Uh, good night. Saturday night, and again, CBS presents The Whistler. I, The Whistler, know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales. I know many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. And so I tell you tonight the mysterious tale of death as a thirst. The long black car with a handsome man at the wheel and the woman beside him returns to the highway and speeds on through the night. The man and woman sit staring ahead, lost in thought. The man is Harvey Davis. The woman, Mrs. Victor Jackson, wife of the unconscious man recently deposited at the sanitarium. I'm sorry I dragged you into this, Harvey. 
But I had to have some help, and I knew I could depend on you. It's all right, Donna. I only hope it'll do some good. Victor never drank a drop while we were in school. He didn't drink when we were first married. But after his father died and Victor took over the business, he started. It's a huge concern, and I guess he just couldn't take it. He's always had an inferiority complex. But the thing that hurts me most is that the drinking has completely changed him. Why, he's suspicious of every move I make. He accuses me of the most disgraceful things. Accuses me of lying to him about everything and of of being in love with with other men. Oh, countless things. Other men? What men? Any men I speak to. Even you, Harvey. Me? Well, after all, if he's going to be suspicious of any man, it would logically be me. Why? You've brought most of your troubles to me. He knows that. I'm as good a victim as any. He knows I'm terribly fond of you. Are you, Harvey? From the first day I met you, I said, here's a woman, a strong woman. Maybe she'll develop some backbone in my willy-nilly friend, Victor. That's very nicely put, Harvey. Let's hope the sanitarium does him some good. If it doesn't, I don't know what I'll do. Don't worry, Donna. Just remember, I'll do anything for you. Thank you, Harvey. About midnight, the black sedan arrives at the Jackson mansion. The butler greets Harvey and Donna at the door. Evening, Mrs. Jackson. Evening, Mr. Davis. Evening. Uh, Dr. Saunders is in the library, ma'am. He's waiting for you. Dr. Saunders at this hour? What on earth does he want? You'd better see him, Donna. Maybe he knows. How could he? Come with me, Harvey. Of course. Oh, good evening, Dr. Saunders. Good evening, Donna. Evening, Harvey. Hello, Doctor. This is quite a surprise. I can imagine. I, um... Um, Harvey and I, we've just been for a little drive. I felt I needed some air. All right, so? Um, did you come to see Victor? Uh, Victor isn't here. Really? But I know where he is. You do? He's in a cheap dive of a rooming house downtown. What? But that's impossible. That's where he always goes. Well, you're wrong this time, Doctor. I took him by force to a sanitarium tonight. Harvey, help me. Maybe they can do something for him. You told the sanitarium that I was his physician, didn't you? Yes. Well, they called me an hour ago. He's escaped. (gasps) What? They said he came to and broke away from them. I know where he usually goes, and I can find him. If you want me to find him. What are you inferring, Doctor? Donna, I know what you've been through with Victor. I know what a trial it's been. I've tried, and you've tried. We've all tried everything we could do to make him stop. Not many women would have put up with what you have. We've dragged him through before. We probably can do it again. I just thought, well, maybe you'd had enough. You do know where he is? Yes, I'm pretty sure I know. Well, then find him. I'm I'm determined to cure him if I have to take him to a desert island. That's an idea. Long ocean trip might be the answer. Should have to hog time. I could do that, too. Very well, I'll have a talk with him. I'll phone you in the morning. Good night. Good night, Doctor. Oh, Harvey. No, no, no. You've done your best, Tom. Oh, but I feel so hopeless. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Try the desert island. Why not? Harvey, it might work, mightn't it? You can help. Your yacht, Dr. Saunders, may be right. Oh, at least it's worth a try. I wonder. Please, Harvey, it may be the answer. Well, I can't get away just now, but... If you're determined, you're welcome to the aunt. Oh, please, I, I'd feel better if you came along. All right, Donna. 
I'll go. I'll arrange it. But he won't want to come. We'll take him aboard by force. Shanghai? Well, all right. Just let me know when you find him, and I'll arrange everything. He sure was plastered. Well, I'll leave you alone with him, Doctor. Thanks. That high pole will bring him out of this. Victor. Victor. What? What? What's going on here? Who are you? Get away. Quiet, quiet. Take it easy, Victor. Huh? Who, who are you? Doc Saunders. Doc? Oh, what do you want? I want to talk to you, Victor. It's very important. Yeah, important? Come on, Victor. Snap out of it. Okay. Hey, what's the idea? What'd you slap me for? To wake you up. I've got to talk to you. Oh. oh, hello, Doc. What are you after? Is your head clear? I guess so. Then listen to me. You know where you are? Yeah. Yeah, my old haunt. You know how you got here? No. Let me see. I... No, I I can't seem to remember. Well, I'll tell you where you're going. If you don't pull yourself together. Where? To the insane asylum. Did you say asylum? I did. I haven't told you this. But your great-grandfather died insane. What? And that was your father's greatest fear, that he would be a victim. Oh. And there's nothing that hastens final mental breakdown more than alcohol. Insanity. Are you just telling me that? No, I can prove it. Good Lord. You want that to happen to you? Oh, no, no. Oh, but I... Well, I, I just can't seem to quit. You're going away, Vic. Away? Where? I'm sending you on a long voyage with no liquor. Oh, no. No, you're not. No, no, no. I'll get hold of myself. You said that before. I can take it or leave it alone if I want to. What you haven't so far. You've gone from bad to worse. Now you're going where you can't get it. But, Doc, I, I can't. I'd die. I, I couldn't stand it. You'll stand it and like it. If I have to kill you. No. No, I won't be pushed around by anyone. I know who's back of this, Donna. She wants to get rid of me. Asylum, yeah. Yeah, that'd suit her fine. She'd like that. So she can cavort around with Harvey and all the others. Shut up, Vic. You're all planning to get rid of me. You don't like me. You're taking a trip. Get rid of me and you all share in the estate. Well, you'll see how much good it'll do. But you are taking a trip, Victor. (laughs) And now, here you are, Victor. Several hundred miles at sea. And worried, too, aren't you, Victor? That talk about insanity really upsets you. You believe it, too. Don't you? (laughs) Uh, What's this? Where am I? Donna. Do you feel better? What is this? It's moving. Oh, I feel dizzy. I don't think you're dizzy. We're on a boat, darling. What boat? We're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. A boat? Doc Saunders, that's what he said, a, a voyage, it's his oh, idea. Oh, now, Victor, everything's going to be all right. I know what you're planning to do. You're planning to kill me. You want to get rid of me, want me to die. You won't die. Whose boat is this? Harvey Jacques. Harvey. Now I know it's a plot. Now I know what it's all about. You and Harvey, that's it. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Victor. Harvey consented to let me have the yacht. Is he on board? Yes. Of course. You and Harvey and me are prisoners. 
What a perfect setup. You don't mean that, Victor. I've been suspicious of you two all along. Who else is on board? Nobody but the captain and the crew of four. And Harvey and the doctor. Where are you taking me? We're just cruising. Just cruising? Till you find the right spot? Right spot for what? To dump me overboard. No one will ever know, will they? And you'll say I jumped over. I was washed over the side. Oh, Victor, what has happened to you? You're like a stranger to me. I, I just don't know you. It doesn't seem possible that you're the man I married. My darling, what's happened to you? Don't you know? If I only did. Why, I'm crazy. Insane. Surely you knew that. My great-grandfather was insane, and my grandfather, and undoubtedly my father, so why not me? You're talking nonsense. No. Hasn't Doc Saunders told you what he knows? I know. Oh, come now. You three are closer than that. Stop talking such nonsense. I won't listen. Uh, I'm getting out of this cabin. I can't stand to be cooped up like oh, no, this. No, no, please stay here for a while, Victor. Please. Here, I... I brought you some milk. Please drink it. Milk? Ah. Got a funny color to it. And it smells strange. What's in it, arsenic? It's just plain milk, Victor. Now drink it. Do you like milk, Donna? Yes, I love milk. Then drink it yourself. Victor! Oh, all over my dress. They're trying to poison me, that's it. Now get out of here. Get out! Oh, Victor, please, darling. Get out! Oh, what do you want, Doc? How do you feel, Victor? They're trying to kill me. They plan to kill me. Who? Donna and Harvey. She just brought me some milk and it had poison in it. I could tell by the color. I think you're imagining things, Victor. No, no, I'm not. They want me out of the way, I can tell. What made you think the milk was poison? It, it was a purplish color. Here, here's the glass. Smell it. Mm. Mm, maybe I'm not so crazy after all. I didn't all. say you were crazy. I only want you to stop drinking. Drink may bring it on. Doc, where would they get poison? Oh, come now, forget it. Do you know where they get poison, Doc? I'll see you later, Victor. Maybe. Did you send for me, Doctor? Yes. Did you take some milk to Victor? Yes, I did. What'd you put in it? Why should I put anything in it? Victor thinks you did. You should know me better than that, Doctor. You did put something in it? Oh, yes, I did. Some of that red liquid to make him quiet. Oh, yes, of course, that's what it was. He threw it all over me. Oh, I, I'm thoroughly disgusted, Doctor. I, I can't go on with him this way. He isn't drinking, but there's something wrong. I decided to give it up as a bad job. I... I'm going to get a divorce. Divorce? I'm afraid it's too late for that, Donna. Too late? Why, what do you mean? Well, there's something I haven't told you. I've been hoping it wouldn't be necessary. But after today, I've given up all hope. Why can't I get a divorce? You can't get a divorce from an insane person. Insane? Good heavens. It's been a secret in Victor's family for several generations. Not even Victor knew it. It touched his father ever so lightly, but Victor has all the symptoms. And the liquor has hastened the crack out. I couldn't be certain as long as he was drinking. But today, I realized the truth. Well, I'm bewildered. I've never been so shocked in my life. I, I wish you hadn't told me. I'm sorry, Donna. I wanted you to be on your guard. 
He has some strange hallucination about you and Harvey. He thinks you're planning to do away with him. Do away with him? Oh, but that's ridiculous. I... I've never had such a thought. Never. Oh, but now I am frightened. Doctor, what about Alice? Your daughter's only eight years old. There are no symptoms, and it may miss her entirely. But think what this will mean if, if this gets out about Victor. Why, it may ruin her whole life. I understand that. That must never happen. It must remain a secret. That'll be difficult. It's going to be hard to handle when that craving returns. Yes, he will. I'll think of something. I'll find a way. Come quickly. It's Harvey Davis. What's wrong, Captain? Found him in his bunk with a cord around his neck. Good heavens. Vic- Quiet, Donna. Come along. Is he dead? No, he's breathing. Found him just in time. He'll be all right in a few minutes. Thank heaven. Harvey, Harvey. Harvey. Uh, Donna, what, what's wrong? What's happened? Nothing much, Harvey. Just a little accident. You'll be all right. Oh, my throat. What's going on? You don't remember? No, I was just taking a little nap. I feel as though I've been choked. Better tell him, Donna. Come along, Captain. Any liquor aboard, Captain? Yes, Doctor. Several bottles in the locker in my cabin. Let's have a look. I keep it locked because, uh... Hey, it's been jimmied. Well, what do you know? It's all gone. I expected that. I'll skin those men alive. Don't, don't blame the men, Captain. What do you mean? What the devil is that? We did something. Come on. What is it, man? What's wrong with you? The, the boilers blew up. We must have hit a reef. All three of the men with the crew were down there. We've got to abandon. I, I'm, I'm hurt bad, Captain. It's dead. See to the lifeboat. Round up the others. I'll go below. Yes, Captain. Murphy! John! Murphy! Are you there? Good Lord, what a mess. I can't imagine the... Two days pass. The sun beats down relentlessly on the five survivors in the open boat. The doctor watches anxiously over the still unconscious captain. Donna and Harvey keep a constant eye on Victor, who sits alone in the end of the boat, staring at the horizon. How's the captain, Doctor? Still holding his own. Must have had a bad fall down that companionway. I don't think he fell. Good thing you went down after him. Running low on water, I hope we sight some land today. How much water have you left in your canteen, Donna? Half full. Hey, look over there. What's that? Why, it's a ship. No, it's land. An island. Grab an oar, Victor. Come on, Doc. Well, I've looked all around. Places as barren of food and water as the Sahara Desert. I'm afraid if we do locate any water, it won't be fit to drink. There must be water. What do you care about water? You've got a canteen full of whiskey. How much water is left? I have some, and Dr. Saunders has some. So I'd better get busy. Although my experiences on these islands uh, haven't been so good. Here's a chance to put your chemistry to use, Harvey. You know the test for lead and zinc? Yes. I'll give you two vials, some sodium sulfide tablets and some potassium chromate. You know the test, one tablet of each and ten cc's of water. Mm -hmm. A dark precipitate means poison. Yes, I know. Thanks, Doc. Well, I'll start off and keep a direct line to the other side. Wherever that is. Wait a minute, Harvey. I think I'll go with you. Oh, why? Oh, maybe I can help. 
I'd go with you, Harvey, but I'd better keep my eye on the captain. He's the only one who knows where we are. I've got to pull him through. That's all right, Doc. I don't need any help. I think I'll go anyway. All right. If you insist, come on. Harvey, wait. I'm going to. Why? Because I want to. We don't need you. But I'm coming just the same. <laughs> Please, Harvey, I, I'd like to come. All right. Let's go. Certainly hot. How do you feel, Donna? All right. How far have we come? Oh, ten miles, I should say. This is a pretty big island at that. And nothing but desert. Are you sure those last two water holes were poisoned? Certainly. Look good to me. I'm getting mighty thirsty. Better quit drinking that whiskey. It'll only make you thirstier. Harvey, can I have a little water? I'm sorry, Donna, but you'll have to suffer it as long as you can. Please wait. You suppose we'll ever get out of here? I don't know. It's all my fault. What a shame to get you into such a mess. Please forgive me, Harvey. There's nothing to forgive, Donna. I'd do it again a hundred times over. For you. Would you, Harvey? Yes. Poor Victor, what a sad thing. No one must ever know, Harvey. Promise me, if we get out of this, promise me you'll never let anyone know. No one will ever learn from me. I got him. I got what him. What on earth? Harvey, got a gun. Where'd he get it? Come on. I got him. Look. Look. A lizard. A big one. I knew we'd find something. Put that down. You can't eat that. There must be water around here. There must be. Where'd you get that gun? Out of the captain's locker. Better take it easy with those shells. We may need them. Yeah. Maybe I will. Have a drink? No. Mm. All right. <coughs> I'd sure like some water. How about it? There's just enough for one of us to get back. And if only one goes back, it'll be Donna. Don, how chivalrous. Who's got the water? I have. Come on, let's keep moving. There's water around here, there must be. And I'm going to find it. Don, if we don't find water, he's going to start pleading for what you have. No matter how much he raves or pleads, don't give it to him. He will be, even if he threatens us with the gun. Tell him you drank it all. I want you to have the best break out of this. Thanks, Harvey. I appreciate that. I found it. Water. I found water. Hurry, Donna, hurry. <laughs> What's the test show? Just like all the rest. It's full of lead and zinc and heaven knows what else. Poison, huh? Worst yet. How about some of that water? What water? In Donna's canteen. There isn't any more. Who drank it? I did. You both did. You left none for me. You've got your whiskey. I can't drink whiskey all the time. You've done pretty well on it for several years. I've got to have some water. Harvey won't. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. Is that all you think about, Harvey? You should have married Harvey. Perhaps you're right about that. You sure that water's poison? I'm not drinking it. And I'm thirsty, too. Maybe you're just waiting. For what? I don't know. But I can imagine a few things. We'd better stop here for the night. Are you very tired, Donna? Awfully. Better try and get some sleep. Where are you going, Victor? Just going to look around. May find something. I'm hungry. I'm going to build a fire with this brush. Don't get too far away. I'll be around. Don't worry. Keep a close watch on your canteen, Donna. I have an idea what he's up to. I'll try not to sleep, but I'm dead tired. I'll do my best, Harvey. If he goes to sleep, I'll try to get that gun away from him. Mm -hmm. Good night, Donna. Good night, Harvey. Night comes on. The fire burns low. And only a red glow remains. Donna, in spite of herself, drops off into a sound sleep. <laughs> 
Victor stirs from his place twenty feet away, looks about him, and crawls silently toward the sleeping Donna. Put it down, Victor. I want some water. There isn't any more. I think there is. You heard what I said. You're lying. You have got some. Victor, what is it? You've got some water and you won't give me any. Harvey. I'm wise to you. You don't want me to have any. You want me to die. You're in love with each other. You're drunk. What if I am in love with Harvey? What of it? Donna. You want me out of the way. Neither of you is very thirsty. No. Because you had some water. And you got it out of that pool. You're lying to me. It's good water. You're crazy. You sneaked it out of there while I was asleep. You, you tried to make me think it was poison. I ought to shoot you both. All right, Victor, if you're so positive. Go on down and drink out of the pool. Oh, that gives me an idea. I'll just find out if that water's poison. Go drink some of it, Harvey. Certainly not. I'll give you 30 seconds. It's poison, Victor. Go ahead, drink or I'll shoot. No, don't do it, Harvey. Then supposing you drink some, Donna. Very well, I will. Victor, it'll kill her. Donna, wait. I'll drink it. You're a fool, Victor. But come along. Uh, uh, this is going to be very interesting. Not as much as you think. Get off of me. I'll kill you. Maybe that'll hold you, Harvey. Oh, Harvey. No, I... I'm all right, Donna. It just at my shoulder. I hope you're satisfied now that it is poison, Victor. Maybe. But you two are getting water for some place. All right. Hand over that canteen, Donna. Please, Victor. That's for Donna. I'll take care of it for all of us. And if either of you make a move toward me, I'll shoot both of you. Good night. And sleep tight, both of you. The night slowly fades. And the chill of dawn creeps in. Then as the sun comes over the horizon, Harvey stirs fretfully, opens his eyes and looks for Donna. She sits beyond the dead embers of the campfire, her hands folded before her, staring blankly into space. Harvey raises up with a start and moves quickly to her side. Victor is sprawled on his back, the hilt of a hunting knife protruding from his breast. Donna. Donna. Good. What's happened to Victor? He's dead, Harvey. Dead? That knife. That's yours, Donna. Yes, it's mine. Now no one will ever know. Will I, Harvey? No. I had to. I had to. Harvey, hello there. It's Dr. Saunders. Uh, here we are. Well, thank heavens we found you. Sighted the ship, built a signal fire. They're waiting for us. Well, what's this? Well, Victor must have, uh, must have gone crazy in the night and stabbed himself. Well, let me see. He's dead, Harvey. How'd this happen? I told you, he... He must have... Uh, stabbed himself? No, he, no, he didn't. I stabbed him. It's my knife. I, I got to thinking. I did it. I crept over and I stabbed him. I see. When did you do this, Donna? It was, it was not more than an hour ago. I couldn't help it, Doctor. I, I couldn't help it. Please, Donna, please. There's nothing to fear. I didn't want anybody to know. Because of Alan. They won't know, Donna. You didn't kill him. What? He's been dead for at least three hours. Oh, what do you mean? Look at his eyes. Look at his lips and his tongue. The swelling of his stomach. Did you test the pool, Harvey? Yes. Every pool we've come to has been heavy in mineral content. I warned him, but he thought we were lying to him. 
Last night, he pulled a gun and took down his canteen. Wasn't much in it, but it was all he had. He's been drinking whiskey, so a little water wouldn't satisfy him. So he drank from the pool. Yeah, poor Victor. I guess it's just as well. Don't worry, Donna. No one will ever know. Will they, Doctor? There's nothing to tell. Except Victor Jackson poisoned himself in a fit of extreme thirst. No, Donna. No one will ever know. You did your best. You tried hard to make things work out. But somehow fate seemed to take things right out of your hands. <laughs> but you know better, don't you, Harvey? You know what happened. Tell us, Harvey. Tell us. After Victor took the canteen from Donna and drank the few swallows in it, he fell off to sleep. Then I took the canteen and filled it from the poison pool. I knew he'd wake up with a greater thirst, and he did. But I'm not sorry. He's better off. And I found I do love Donna. And I'll take care of her for the rest of her days. There you are. From drama to tragedy. From tragedy to a beautiful love story wherein they will live happily ever after. <laughs> I know. <laughs> CBS has presented The Whistler. Original music for this production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler stories are written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and originate from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next week, same time... I, the Whistler, return to tell you the incredible tale of the Secret Seven. Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for the Red Skelton Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Red Skelton as Clem Cadiddlehopper and the show first broadcast in 1947. Program starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose and his orchestra, our singing star Anita Ellis, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGeehan, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. From Metro Golden Mayor, we present the star of the Raleigh Cigarette Program, Red Skelton. Good evening.
evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hiya, Rod. Hiya, Ed. Say, this is National Newsboy Week, and we have as honored guest tonight newsboys representing the 32 papers in this district. That's right. These fellows here tonight competed in a contest to see who rated the highest average in sales, and the boys with the highest mark got a special prize. And these newsboys got to come to the Red Skelton broadcast. No, they got the booby prize. <laughs> you know, being a newsboy is a great profession, Red. Many of our national figures got their start that way. Yeah, I'll never forget my corner. He used to stand here, extra, extra. He always yelled, extra, extra. Of course, I charged six cents for a paper. You know. <laughs> Anyhow, I had a racket selling papers. I used to stand on the corner and yell, read all about it. Twenty-nine people swindled, read all about it. Guy'd buy a paper and he'd read it and he'd look through it and he'd say, I don't see anything about 29 people swindled. I said, I know. <laughs> read all about a 30 people swindled. <laughs> look at him making notes down there. <laughs> you know, I had a paper out when I was a kid. Yeah, me too, you know. Oh, many's the time I couldn't deliver the paper and my mother would uh, deliver it for me, you know. That's where they got the old saying, does your mother know your route? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, mother would get on my bicycle, and uh, uh, mother would get on the bicycle, and um, well, go ahead. Well, I'm lost, and I can't remember the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she couldn't ride it anyhow. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, the newsboys certainly render a great service to our nation. You said it. If it weren't for the, uh, that morning paper delivered, why, this country's uh, divorce rate would double. Well, how do you figure? Well, a fella uh, gets up in the morning, he's got his paper there at the breakfast table. If, without it, he'd just have to sit there and look at his wife. <laughs> and the way some of the women look at the, look at the breakfast table, I tell you, well, it's ABC. Figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Well, all kidding aside, I think any boy who delivers a newspaper realizes the true meaning of freedom. You said it, brother, and Winchell didn't do bad with it the other night, either. <laughs> you know, a free opinion is really a wonderful thing. For example, this morning I read each of the 32 newspapers that these young men represent, and each paper agreed on one thing. What was that, Red? Today is September the 30th. <laughs> And now, Anita Ellis, what are you going to sing, honey? Body and soul. <laughs> My heart is sad and lonely For you I sigh For you, dear only I'm all for you, body and soul I spend my days in longing And wondering why it's me Pretending it's no 
Volume 3. You can take five. I think they're awake again now. <laughs> and now, Chapter 3 of Radio's first nighttime serial, uh, The Life of a Fireman. This one's entitled Fire Prevention. <laughs> And tomorrow will be the 1st of October. That's quite a coinkadinky. I remember the same thing happened last year. Come in. Yeah, what do you want, Ma? Well, come here. I don't want the whole neighborhood to know our business. No. Come in, Mater. What do you want, Ma? Clem, did you go down and see about that dog catcher's job? I sure did. Well, what happened? They locked me up with the mongrels. Clem, how stupid can you get? Well, I don't know. I ain't really put my mind to it yet. <laughs> what do you want to see me about, Mother? Well, look it. A man was here. Listen, Clem. Yeah. A man was here from the fire department yesterday. He sends this house in a fire hazard and all the trash has got to go. He said all the trash has to go? Yes. Does that mean that Peter will be leaving? He said slums was caused by laziness. Yeah, well, of all the insulting things. That's just what I told him. I ain't been so insulted since the day you was born. Oh, boy, I'll bet that made him mad. Well, it, it didn't show if it did. 
I also told him that it's not my fault we live in such a rubbish heap. It's because I've got such a lazy, no-good, stupid son. Oh, you didn't tell him that. I most certainly did. Well, you might give the folks the wrong impression of me, you know. They might think you're kidding and you're not. Clean up a little around here. Okay, I'll start by picking up this bit of string here on the ground. Mm. Mm. It's resisting me. Clem, that string is your own shoelace. <laughs> Must be a rabbling from my long underwear because I ain't wearing any shoes. <laughs> hey, look, here comes a red automobile. Well, how gaudy can people get, anyhow? Oh, that's a fire truck. Well, that's what they use to go to blazes. <laughs> it's used to go to blazes. Go to blazes. It's a fine way for a mother to talk to her son. <laughs> I figured I could make something out of that. <laughs> Howdy, duty. Howdy. Are you Mr. Fiddlechopper? The name ain't Fiddlechopper, it's Cadiddlehopper. How do you spell Cadiddlehopper? Hmm? How do you spell Cadiddlehopper? Say, Fiddlechopper ain't a bad name of daddy. <laughs> you can call me Smitty if you want to, you know. Uh, what do you want, neighbor? Well, I'm here to give you a final warning about these fire hazards. Yeah. There's really no excuse for it except plain laziness and carelessness. Now, you aren't lazy. You want to bet? <laughs> Don't be too sure. This just happens to be my day to stand up. You know, Clem, if I didn't see you, I, I wouldn't believe you. Well, I've looked in the mirror and I ain't convinced myself. Look, Clem, I'm going to leave this pamphlet about fire prevention with oh. you, and I want you to digest every word of it. Well, I'll try. Food's so high, I'll eat anything now. <laughs> I want you to read it. Maybe it'll smarten you up on fire prevention. Me read this pamphlet here? That's right. You want me to read it, huh? That's right. You sure you got the right house? <laughs> Look, I, I know how to take precautions. When I build a fire in a fireplace, I always put newspapers down to keep the sparks from going on the rug. That's terrible. And I never throw a lighted cigarette away. I swallow it. Doesn't that make you awfully sick? It helps. You have your incinerator a safe distance from the house. Well, of course. You think I'm stupid? Don't have a insinuator right up here with a house. Got it out there next to the garage, see? Against the garage? Yeah. Well, don't burn anything in the incinerator until you move it away from the garage. Well, I already burned some stuff this morning, some incidentals like kerosene rags and small twenty-two caliber bullets. Good heavens. What happened? Hmm? What happened? Well, should I know? I've been too busy building a new garage. <laughs> Clem, yeah. uh, what's in those cans over there? Well, one of them cans has got kerosene in it, and the other one's got gasoline in it for the tractor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you know which is which? Well, it's very simple. I just 
pour one of them into the tractor and, and, and then I take a swig out of the other one. And if the tractor don't go, boy, you ought to see me plow up that 40 acres. Mrs. Cadettlehopper, what kind of a stove do you cook on? Well, we've got a gas stove, but it's not too good. <laughs> Every time I cook on it, the flames shoot out and send some of my hair off. Yeah, about three more pork chops, and we're going to start calling her Mount Baldy. <laughs> That's too fast for a more heating <laughs> The gas was leaking awful bad, but my boy Clem fixed that. Yep, I fixed it. There's not a sign of gas now. How'd you do it? Didn't pay the bill. Well, uh, as a public servant, I want to give you a little advice oh? You should check everything that endangers your life as well as community property Oh? And above all, clean up the trash in this yard hmm. It only takes a few minutes to be neat Well, you know, now that makes sense There's no sense to it for slums and stuff like that And I'm one of the guys that's causing it I'll have this stuff cleaned up in no time Oh, thanks, Clem Your neighbors will appreciate it, too Oh, uh... Clem, if you're going to burn anything in the yard, no matter what it is, be sure and connect up your garden hose. Or have a bucket of water handy, just in case. Okey-kay, okey-kay. Well, now to clean up around here. Oh, this is the way we sweep the yard, sweep the yard, sweep the yard. Well, let's see. What's the worst piece of rubbish laying around here? Well, let's see. I'll have to forget that. I won't fit in that insinuator. Incinerator. Boy, you give them writers a raise and they'll buy a dictionary every time. <laughs> well, I'll just start here by tearing down this old awning. I'll just rip it down. You know? Well, now, I don't know whether that was my overhauls or the awning. <laughs> well, either way, it got kind of cooler all of a sudden. Now Dave Rose and his orchestra play his arrangement of humorous from the motion picture Joan Crawford. <laughs>
in the scrapbook is entitled, The Babysitter. Topsy-turvy tone! <laughs> Mummy! Namor! Are you here? Stinker home. <laughs> well, here I is, all alone. <laughs> we know what that means, don't we? <laughs> well, oh, look, the telephone, the telephone. Mummy and Nemo says not to talk on it, you know. But how would they know? <laughs> maybe they have the wires tapped. <laughs> then again, maybe they don't have them. Then again, maybe they don't. Then again, I don't know why I'm so concerned about it. I'm going to do it anyhow. <laughs> oh, boy, I wonder who I'll trap this time. I think I'll call up the Hollywood Bowl and ask them if they need any pin boys over there. Junior. Whoa. Inner's the heavy. So, you've been talking on that telephone again. Well, what makes you think I had? What's that you're holding in your hand? Me bubble gun. The other hand. Well, what do you know? The telephone. <laughs> now, who stuck that thing in my hand when I wasn't listening? Well, you come into my room where I can keep an eye on you. Okay. Oh, well, you should have been with me. I was down the street and it was playing yes, out there. And Skip fell in a mud puddle. Of course, I help him alone. Here now, here now. No. Sit down. Just sit down while I put my makeup on. Okay. You know, I like to watch you get yourself all pretty. Do you What are you putting that grease on your face for? Does it squeak? <laughs> My face with cold cream. Well, why don't you wash it? <laughs> I do wash, but this keeps the wrinkles away. That's just supposed to keep the wrinkles away? Yes. I got news for you, kiddo. <laughs> you had better go down to the corner store and get double you money back. Anyway, it keeps the crow's feet away from my eyes. Yeah, it might keep the crow's feet away from your eyes, but it don't do much for that pelican's beak under your chin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, you're going right. to get it. Don't you touch me. Don't you hit me. You lay a mitt on me, I tell. You tell what? Oh, oh I know all about you, kiddo. <laughs> you just as much as touch me with your little pinky. That's all. <laughs> Go ahead. Boy, I will tell on you. I tell everybody that you used to be the sword swallow with a sideshow. Why, I was no such thing. Oh, no. no. Hey, Bernie, you want another sword? No, give me a table knife. I'm on a dime. Yeah. No, you won't tell her either because you're too sweet for that. You're too kind because you know she gives me a spanking and you're just a sweet old orchid gatherer. You wouldn't do the thing like that. Oh, well then, just behave. Okay. <laughs> they sure fall for that muffled duffel, don't they? <laughs> hey, what you getting all dressed up for? Where are you going? To a gin rummy party with your mother and I dread it. Well, if you don't want to go, why don't you let Grandpa go? Oh, he can't play gin. Well, let him take it some other way. <laughs> Who's going to take care of me? The babysitter. You mean that big fat girl that lives in our icebox? 
Boy, what a whack of she's got. All she does for 50 cents an hour is to put me to bed and then go down and raid the icebox, you know. And she sits around reading them mushy love stories all the time. Don't bring good literature, you know, like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers and such like that. The mushy love stories she brings. And then once in a while she gets to reading real interested like that and she jumps up in the air and screams, you know. Well, what does she scream about? The hot food I give her. <laughs> She put you to bed Yeah, so did she <laughs> Hey, why don't you stay with me now, Mo? I don't like her I, I only like her just half I mean, Half I like her and half I don't But the half I don't is bigger than the half I does Well, I'd love to, dear But there's no way out of it Oh, you just mean you don't love me no more, well, that's I, all I do love you, Junior Why, you're my whole life Yeah, then why are you always saying You'll be the death of me yet? Yeah. <laughs> I know your type You're just fickle, that's all, you know I, I know the way you feel about me, okay you go your way, and I'll go my way. And I'll get in trouble before you. <laughs> now, you stop acting so silly. Yeah, take me with you, will no, you? No, I can't. You're too little to stay up late. Well, you can tell everybody I was a midget. Tell them I do husband. Tell them I took a bath in alum and I shrunk. <laughs> no, they'd never believe you. No, yeah, well, maybe I could shave and grow a mustache or something. Oh, you're too young to have a mustache. Oh, I don't know. I got a little fuzz on me lip now. What? Yes. Let's see. Oh, Junior, you do have fuzz on your lip. Oh, what's your mother going to do? Oh, probably hide the peaches where I can't reach them. <laughs> oh, yes, Mummy, doll. Oh, you look so pretty today. Oh, do you really think I'm pretty, dear? Yes, I does. I love your long golden hair and the short black roots. <laughs> Oh, Mommy, why, hey, Mommy, can Nemo stay home with me tonight? She no, tells me to... No, the babysitter's coming. Well, you better tell her to stop sitting on this baby or she's going to get stuck with a pin. And Junior, while we're on the subject, I want you to be nicer to her when she's here. Uh-huh. Last time, you pulled her hair. Well, how did I know it was going to come off? <laughs> Goodness, you know, I, I was nice. I always remove my hat before I bite that babysitter. I had to put Oh, gentleman. Junior, you must be good now. Uh-huh. And another thing, before you go to sleep, don't forget to say your prayers. I say them. Did you say your prayers last night? Yes, ma'am. I didn't hear you. I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> now, don't start talking stupid. Well, now, I is not stupid. I is smart. You just asked me a question. All right. If there were four pieces of cake in the cupboard and you ate yeah. one, what would you have? A spanky. <laughs> that proves you're stupid. The answer is not a spanky. It isn't. Well, that was the answer yesterday afternoon, Kato. <laughs> Junior, come away from that fishbowl. You know, I can't figure it out. Them fish stay down that water all day long and they never drown. Fish Fish do fine underwater. They breathe it through their gills. Through their gills? Screen actors? (laughs) Hey, I want a pair of gills. (laughs) I want a pair of gills so I can breathe underwater, too. Oh, Junior, now don't be silly. No, I want a pair of gills. I want a pair of gills. Well, at least I got something in it. <laughs> Look at this silly fish. And mm. stop making faces at the goldfish. They started it. <laughs> it's no wonder we can't keep a babysitter. Well, I don't care. I'd rather stay by myself anyhow. Give me the 50 cents. You folks don't love me anymore anyhow. I could just stay here and, and, and play with a mattress and burn the house down. I could barbecue myself. That's what I could do. Hot Dog Junior, they would call me. <laughs> and I would get myself all barbecued and I'd crawl inside a loaf of bread and sprinkle myself with mustard. And, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. What's the matter? I scared me down. Oh, baby. Yes, boy, baby. Bless his little heart. Yes, bless his little heart. I don't like that baby. 
baby. Tell her because she don't like me. Then you'll have to try to make her like you. Now, here's what I want you to do, Jim. What? You were bad the last time she was here. Yeah. When she gets here tonight, yeah. I want you to kiss her and tell her you're sorry. Well, I will not do it. <laughs> I will not kiss her. I know she's pretty, but I don't want to kiss her. Why? Well, because... Come outside, now, I tell you. I don't, want, I don't want your mother to hear this. She's at the age when she picks things up. We'll be right back now. Now, what's he up to? <laughs> of all things. Mother, would you mind taking care of Junior? Not going to the party tonight? I'd love to take care of him. Where's the phone? Here it is. How come it's off the hook? I had it ready for you an hour ago. Oh, oh. Operator, why doesn't she answer? Well, you're talking in the ear part. You're oh. talking in the ear part. Operator, operator, 4936. I'm sorry you had to give up your evening there, Mother. It's a pleasure, dear. Yes, Hello? Agnes, you don't have to bother coming over to take care of Junior tonight. Goodbye. It worked, it worked, it worked. What else? What on earth did you tell her? Well, when she said I had to kiss the babysitter, I said to her, I'm not going to kiss her because she might slap me the way she did Pop. Oh, Junior. (laughs) You didn't. (laughs) You're kidding. Oh, you keep laughing. (laughs) You better have Pop to do the same thing. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Saint, followed by The Life of Riley. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.